welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and I'm an author from Ireland and I write regularly on the blog Become a Writer Today and recently I published a book called The Art of Writing a Non-Fiction Book. Yes, I know it's all very meta, but basically in this book I talk about how new writers can research and write their first non-fiction book and how they can get it ready for self-publishing on stores like Amazon. Now, while I was researching this non-fiction book, I discovered that many new writers struggle to find time to work on their book or they feel like they don't have any one place where they can go and write or they, they sometimes feel like the people around them don't quite understand what they're doing and they're new at their craft and they're not quite sure how to explain this to other people and find time for working on their non-fiction book. So this is a topic that I addressed in The Art of Writing a Non-Fiction Book and in this extract from the audiobook, I'm going to explain how you can find time to write a non-fiction book that sells on Amazon. Chapter 5. Knowing when it's time to write and finding space to do it. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Mary Oliver. I spent a year working as a copywriter in a large, air-conditioned office half an hour outside Dublin. I wrote alongside 100 other people, almost none of whom were writers. One Monday, my boss asked me to produce a 3,000-word guide about the advantages of using cloud software, and he gave me a deadline to sweat over. It didn't help that the topic was drier than a gin and tonic. I trudged through the first 200 words, hoping I'd submit the piece on time. While working on it, I didn't pay much attention to the dull sound of Jackie's voice or to what she was saying at first. While I clacked away in my keyboard, she stood. But you told me our deposit for the house was good, and that we'd have the keys by the summer. I can't wait until September. Jackie, you must be patient, I could hear the estate agent saying on the phone. I've been patient for months, Jackie shouted into her phone. This isn't good enough, you're full of it. Jackie berated her estate agent for five minutes before walking out of the office and slamming the door behind her. I tried to focus on what I was writing, but all I could think about was the time I bought a house with my wife and how I hated the entire process. We'd argued for weeks about which one to buy. I didn't envy what Jackie was going through or her estate agent. What did Jackie's real estate agent really think of her? And what did any of this have to do with cloud software? Ten minutes later, Jackie sat down at her desk, looked at me and said, Don't ask. She produced a granny spin apple, a bottle of coke, and a packet of salt and vinegar crisps from the recesses of her brown leather handbag. I put my fingers on the keyboard and tried to type, but then Jackie began to bite into her apple and her crisps. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Jackie only stopped eating to sigh, swear under her breath, and tap out a message on her phone. I'd type and then crunch, crunch, crunch. When five o'clock rolled around, I'd only written 250 words. The next morning, my manager asked about the guide. Oh, it's going well, I said, thinking of the 2,750 words I still had to wade through. And when can I expect a draft to review, he said. It'll be on time, I said. Don't worry. I didn't want to tell him how behind I was. I needed this job to work out. And Jackie's real estate problems weren't helping. So I took my laptop and notes and locked myself alone in a small room at the back of the office. A room devoid of apples, crisps and Jackie. 
I forced myself to sit in the chair and I wrote for three hours until I finished a workable draft. After lunch, I sat back at my desk and emailed it to my boss. Where were you, Brian? Jackie asked. I was in a meeting, I said, and it lasted all morning. How's your house coming on? Associate one place with writing. If you're having trouble finding time or space for your nonfiction book, please don't give up. I don't doubt your commitment and you're not alone. Before writing this chapter, I read an email from one new writer who said, What I get from my wife is lip service, which will be okay if she'd let me kiss her once in a while. She knows my desire to be an author. She tells others how much time I spend writing in a way that makes me believe she's behind me. Then, like the other day, she tells me she has something more important to do. Now, instead of paying lip service to your book, take a note from Virginia Woolf. She wrote, A woman must have money and a room of her own if she is to write fiction. Now, Virginia was referring to a woman's ability to support herself and her writing financially. And yet, even today, male and female writers need a warm and quiet place with a desk, a chair, and a computer or a pen and notepad. It's up to you to seek out the quietness and space you need to write your book. Going to a room to work alone may look strange to others, but take heart. You're putting your book first. These days, I write in a small room at the top of my house. There I have a sunlit lamp, a mic for dictation, and a set of noise-cancelling headphones. This setup enables me to enter a bubble. I can concentrate on writing that first draft without worrying about the logistics of writing. When I'm feeling blocked, I go for a long walk and I dictate over my phone or I go to the coffee shop and I bang out a first draft over an Americano. Now, you could carve out a quiet space in your house, in a coffee shop, the local library, or even your car. The where doesn't matter as much as having that space where you write consistently. When the short story writer and poet Raymond Carver was starting off, he often wrote his drafts alone in his car. He told the Paris Review, I used to go out and sit in the car and try to write something on a pad on my knee. Associate one place with writing and you'll slip into your creative groove more easily. And if it's somewhere public, just remember to leave a tip. Your bulletproof guide to creating an early morning writing routine. For years, I wrote late at night after the kids went to bed. But then I'd struggle to get up the following day, go to work and spend time with the kids. It was all I could do to prize my eyelids open with matchsticks. Inevitably, I wrote less. Putting writing last meant it was least likely to happen. But science is on the side of early morning writing. The American philosopher and psychologist William James said, The great thing then in all education is to make automatic and habitual as early as possible, as many useful actions as we can, and to guard against growing into ways that are likely to be disadvantageous to us as we should guard against the plague. Famous early morning artists include the composer Ludwig van Beethoven, the Danish philosopher Søren Kierkegaard, and the American author Ernest Hemingway. My writing routine starts with climbing out of my pit somewhere between 5.30 and 6.15am. I wash my face with cold water, meditate for 20 minutes and brew a strong coffee sweetened with honey. Then I record 5-10 to ideas on paper or in Evernote. This act helps me warm up before writing for 60-90 to minutes. My morning routine ends around 8am when it's time to get the kids up for school. Now, my routine works for me, but yours will look different. So ask yourself what your ideal morning routine looks like and write it down on paper. Thinking it through will help you find more time for working on your non-fiction book. Decide when to get up. Pick your target time for getting up and work slowly towards this time. Don't be a hero. If you set your alarm clock for 4am tomorrow morning, you may get up but you'll feel exhausted. 
and you're also unlikely to repeat this heroic feat of endurance. Instead, set your alarm clock for half an hour earlier than your regular rising time. On the following day, set your alarm for 45 minutes earlier, and so on. I find if I rise any earlier than 5.30am, I'm too exhausted to function during the day, and if I rise any later than 6.15, I don't have enough time to write before life arrives. My target rising time gives me a 45-minute window between 5.30am and 6.15am. If you want to create an early morning routine like this, find enough time to write in the morning without interruption before the rest of the day begins. But don't get up so early that you risk falling asleep on your keyboard. Decide when to sleep. Before you go to bed, write a note to yourself about what chapter you're going to work on tomorrow. Then open up your writing application and arrange your notes. These small creative acts prime your subconscious to wrestle with your book even while you're sleeping. Each night I prepare the following day's writing. I tidy up where I work and I leave a short note saying things like fix the damn conclusion or work viral cat videos into chapter 4. Setting an alarm clock for going to bed helps too. This act may sound bizarre, but you're probably setting one for getting up, so just consider it a mindset shift. When it rings, stop checking your emails, using your computer, playing with your phone, or doing anything else that's keeping you up. Before you go to bed, put your alarm in a different room from where you sleep. When it rings the following morning, you'll have to get out of bed and go into the other room to turn it off. The act of moving complicates pressing the snooze button or rolling over and going back to sleep. Finally, If your partner goes to bed later than you, consider using earplugs or an eye mask. What you get for rising early. One evening over a beer, I explained my early morning writing habits to a friend. When you get up before everyone else, you give the best of yourself. To yourself, I said. My friend almost choked on his beer. You're crazy, he said. Where do you get this stuff from? Now, my friend isn't a writer and I couldn't expect him to understand it's the job of a writer to sit alone in a quiet room for hours at a time. If the demands of your job leave you physically or mentally exhausted, you're less likely to sit down in that room and write. What's more, when you do, the quality of your writing will suffer. Like a lot of writers, I doubled my weekly work count by rising early to work on my book. When you get up early in the morning, you're at your peak. No matter what happens during the day, you'll already be ahead because you worked on your nonfiction book. But I really am a night person. Okay, so I don't get up early every day. I sleep late at least one day during the weekends. And some days it's not possible or practical to get up early because of the demands of the previous day. I accept these days as a time to rest instead of seeing them as setbacks that prevent me from finishing a book. I'm not going to lie and say I find time to write 365 days a year either. But when I write in the morning, I feel lighter. When I write first thing, even if it's just a journal entry, I don't come home after an exhausting day and think, oh no, I still have to sit down in front of the computer and fill a blank page. But if the demands of your daily life aren't intruding, by all means work on your book during the afternoon or at night. Every writer is different. The most important thing is turning up in front of the blank page consistently and being able to work without interruption. Keeping up with the professionals. These days I rarely have to deal with unreliable estate agents, crunchy apples and noisy packets of crisps. And yet, working alone presents a different set of challenges. No matter where I write, I'm still free to put things off, procrastinate and say it will keep till later. I've often woken up, checked email, phoned the cable company about my bill, cleaned up after the dog and done everything else but write 500 to 1000 words. It took me years to learn writing is one of the most important things I need to do each day 
And it's my job to minimize interruptions. Before email, before social media, before the news, and sometimes even before breakfast. Remember, a doctor doesn't look at their scalpel and wonder if they'll operate now or when keeping up with the Kardashians is over. They do their work because they're professionals. So pick a time for working on your book every day, lock book it in your calendar and keep your appointment. Like pennies filling a jar, these writing sessions will accumulate in value over time. One day you'll stop typing, see you finished a 2,000 word chapter in one session and wonder, how did I get here? Your writing exercises. Dedicate one place in your house, apartment or where you live to working on your book and go there each day. Expect life to get in the way. When it does, pour it a glass of wine, listen to its problems and when it passes out on the couch, get back to work. So I hope you enjoyed that extract from the Art of Writing a Nonfiction book. And if you're interested in getting the book or learning more about writing your nonfiction book, I've included links in the show notes or you can just visit becomearitertodaybook.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course. Thanks for listening.